morning, ladies. I want to welcome each and every one of you. Thank you for tuning in today to Good Morning, Ladies with Candy Bryan. We are celebrating life this month. This is October. This is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. But this is Life Month for many of us, right, Christia? I have my guest. Christia Donaldson is on the line. Would you say good morning to the ladies? Good morning, ladies. Good morning, Candy. Thank you for having me on the show. Thank you for joining us. I mean, we're honored, really, truly, after, you know, just seeing part of your journey. And some of the ladies are going to get to know you for the first time on this podcast. But also, if they've been following following Instagram and looking at Thank God It's Natural, they can see the journey. They can see the celebration of life. Before we started recording, I said, I absolutely love the post. I wish I was in Chicago. I'm a little jealous. (laughs) But Yeah, it's been a fun month for us. We're on breast cancer on yes. overload right now. So, yeah. Right. <laughs> well, you know, one of the interesting things, and I am going to open us up in prayer as we always do, but uh, one of the interesting things I've been hearing as I look at statistics, and I've been to a couple of um, breast cancer awareness events, the doctors and the professionals keep saying that the the mortality rate is going down um, mostly because of awareness and early detection. So we can even get into to some of that discussion as we talk today, but... Um, I will open up in prayer, and then we'll get right into getting to know you a little bit better. Is that okay? That sounds great to me. Awesome, awesome. Well, ladies, would you join your hearts with us? We, we're just praying for an awesome time together. Father, I thank you that on this podcast, God, that your word goes forth, that encouragement goes forth, that women are listening today, that they tuned in at the right time, that this is a time for them to receive inspiration, but also, God, to receive information that could share their lives. God, we thank you for Christia and her business and everything that that is going on in her life. God, cause it to prosper. And I thank you, Father, for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We are excited to get to know you, but before we jump into the journey piece of what we're going to talk about today, tell us a little bit about you. Are you a Chicago native? Where are you from? We, We want to know about the journey into law school, just kind of fill us in because we've got 30 minutes. We It'll go by quick, but we're waiting to hear from, from you. Oh, no, that's great. So essentially, I am a Detroit native, um, been living in Chicago for close to 15 years, moved here after graduating from Harvard Law School, and I ended up being in the law because um, basically I always had a passion for kind of business and how people made decisions, and the awesome thing was being a corporate lawyer allowed me to combine my detail-oriented nature with helping businesses to grow and do deals, and so that's where I ended up, but I never knew that I would be able to use my law degree to run a beauty company. That's so good. I, I remember reading your story, and I was like, oh my gosh, she went to Harvard Law, she's got this business, everything is just, uh, we can tell just from reading your story that you're a hard worker. So what was it like, I mean, growing up and then going into law? What, tell us what Harvard was like. I think most of us want to know, what was that experience like? Well, I tell people, people are always curious to know. I mean, one, they're like, are black people there? Yes, they're black people. Um, it's just an affirmation <laughs> of all that black excellence and black girl magic when she show up on campus. But the main thing I tell people is that it told me, taught me not so much about school type of things or the things in the book, but it was more so the people I met, um, learning how to be a better person, learning about myself in the sense that most people at Harvard are intense and one ten. Meaning if they go do something, they go give it their hundred percent. They're not gonna give twenty percent, they're not gonna get thirty percent. It's zero or a hundred. It was also like I tell people, 
learning the cultural cues when dealing with people with money and power. So even if the people in my class were, you know, students just like me, you had people who were like sons and daughters, like millionaires and billionaires, or who, you know, were sons of diplomats, Mm. or like Malia Obama is a freshman there now. So just picking up on the cultural cues of how to conduct yourself and interact with these type of people, as well as just build relationships and get things done. So I think the experience was much more valuable from that perspective versus from a um, educational perspective, like from a classroom standpoint. Wow. I've always wanted to know what it would be like to go to an Ivy League school. Um, And, you know, you've been successful. And, you know, obviously there's also a a path planned out for each and every one of us. And so uh, do you still practice, first of all? I don't think I asked you that uh, prior. I don't, not anymore. I kind of miss it just a little, but, you know, I'm running a day-to-day company, so that's a lot of work. That is a lot of work, and um, so I, I definitely want to transition into that. Tell us how this came about. How did you get started with, in, in the hair care industry? So essentially, I graduated, like I said, from um, law school, and at the time, this was 15 years ago, and the messages around natural hair embraced in the workplace where they were definitely on the list of don't. It was like, don't wear a red shirt and don't wear a life, your hair natural or braids. Like the message was mm-hmm. you have to look a certain way in order to be successful. And so that's how I began my professional career. But because I was transitioning at the time, I was wearing a wig and thinking that again, looking a certain way, looking more in your by European standards polished would allow me to be more successful and it didn't. Actually backfired, not being able to show up as my authentic black girl self um, really hurt me in my first law firm job. And so I tell people from there, I left that experience, started doing research on how to care for my hair naturally because there wasn't a lot of information outside of like message forms at that time. I wrote a book that went on to become a bestseller called Thank God I'm Natural, The Ultimate Guide to Caring for Natural Hair. And literally that took me all over the country to different bookstores, churches, hair shows, museums, what have you, giving talks to women. And at the end of each talk, they're like, so where are the products? I was like, what? So essentially our grassroots following kind of motivated me and gave me the catalyst for starting, Mm -hmm. you know, the product line. I love that. And so you were just talking about starting and I, I, I have a sense that there are women on this listening to the podcast that are saying to themselves, I wish I could do that. I wish I could start something. Where, where did you start before we get into the second part of your journey? What, what would you say to that woman today that wants to step out and do something like that? I, I would just say start little by little. I mean, I knew I had a big decision, but if I tried to, I had to take it in little chunks. Like there was no way I was like, you know, 15 years ago or 10 years ago that I was like, oh, we're going to be doing this, da, 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 and I'm going to work towards getting to that every day. I just had to work on the small victories, like just writing my business plan or launching my website or building a Facebook group. You have to celebrate mm, those milestones good. on the way and realize that those little things over time kind of build up, and that's kind of how we've gotten to where we are today is just by focusing on the little moments. And life is almost like that. You know, a lot of times we're always like, you know, I want to have like this amazing life or take this amazing vacation. Or once I get this, you know, this job, then I'll do this with my life. But it's like sometimes we're Mm -hmm. so focused on what we want 
that's in the bigger picture. We're, we take for granted the little picture, which is like, I woke up today. I still have my eyes, you know, I'm able to move. On, like, right. So <laughs> running, a, running a company is almost exactly like that. You have to focus on the very small moments to even get to the point of the bigger moments. And even when you get to the bigger moments, you realize it's just another bigger moment that you want that's far off in the future. So, again, you have to redirect and center yourself on the smaller moments. Oh, my gosh, that's so good. I always take notes when I'm doing these interviews because they're little nuggets that either I want to post or I want to keep for myself. But this one I will post because I love how you said we have to focus on the small moments. And it gets us, it, it takes us step by step towards where we're going. I absolutely love that. Thank you for sharing that advice with our listeners. So your journey took a little bit of a turn, and you are a breast cancer survivor. And this month we are celebrating survivors. We're celebrating supporters. I do have some uh, interviews coming up where we're going to talk to the family members along with the survivor. It's going to be amazing. So we want to hear about your journey. Uh, when did you find out? How did you find out, I should say? And then take us through that. Sure. So it was 2015. And I tell people 2015 was the best year of my life and the worst year of my life. And by that, I meant we started 2015 launching in 2000, sorry, in 250 Target stores, which was like our big break as a company. It's like, oh my gosh, this is a huge deal. Nine months later, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. So it was like, like those two things happened in the same year. And it was like, wow. And so that was kind of where I was. And then after that, you know, the diagnosis, and we can kind of talk about the disparities and what have you, and the declining rate of um, breast cancer amongst black women and those type of issues. But essentially, after I was diagnosed, I was kind of like, my reaction was, this is one, so unfair. Why is this happening to me? Which I now understand why it did. Um, And two, I just felt so alone as a young black woman going through this because there were a few black women on Instagram who, who had dealt with this. But now, you know, now that I've kind of come out and come out of the closet, so to speak, and we're doing this campaign, it's like, so many people are like, I have breast cancer, I have breast cancer, I have breast cancer. But back then, it was like all I could look to were these white celebrities, like a Sheryl Crow, a Melissa Etheridge, a Shannon Doherty, and now like a Julia Lewis-Dreyfus. And I'm like, well, where are the black women who look like me, who are my age, that are also dealing with this? And so that was the one thing that kind of felt, you know, that made me a little sad and feeling a little bit isolated, if you will. Um, I actually didn't have anyone in my circle who knew, who, who had breast cancer. No one in my family. Well, here's the thing. And I don't know Same if this here. is a new experience, but the ladies in, ladies in my family didn't talk about it. We and what do you mean by that? Because we I, did an interview with a doctor who says you need to talk about mm-hmm. your why Aunt Patty died because you never know, mm-hmm. like in black families, we're loath to talk about certain conditions. So what, not to interview you, what was that situation like? Yeah. Well, you know, um, I'm adopted, so I know that we're also getting to know each other as well. Um, I'm adopted. I didn't know my family medical history. I'm actually uh, Colombian. I was adopted from South America. My parents are, um, they're bi-race. They're an interracial couple. My mom's Puerto Rican. My dad's African-American. And so growing up, I kind of looked like them, you know, kind of like a cross between both of them. And so no one really ever questioned it. Um, in our family, everything was hush-hush. I don't know if it was, you know, in the in Spanish cu- culture, it's very keep things to yourself, keep things in the household, don't talk about it. And I think also in, in my dad's side of the family as well. Well, 
you know, I don't know how, but me and my, my mom had a conversation this year. And I was like, you know, Mom, is anyone else in the family? Not that they're my bloodline, but just the conversation hadn't happened. I said, did anyone have breast cancer in your family? And she goes, oh, yeah, so-and-so and so-and-so and so I couldn't believe it. I'm thinking, I see these people every holiday, you know, we keep in touch, and we've never talked about it. Even though they're not my bloodline, it still would have been education that would have come forth. You know what I mean? No, I completely understand what you're saying. And someone who works for me brought up another example, which is in the black community, you have all these women who are single parents. So there are people who, from a family history standpoint, may have never talked to their dad or have very little communication with their dad and their dad's side of the family. And so in terms of understanding their risk factors, um, that's an issue. Yeah. There's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a cultural thing. I remember going to um, a grocery store, and this is when I took off, taken off the wig, and I was just out there, and I'm like, tell everyone and everyone, please go get your mammograms. And I'm just really out there, and I stopped at this gas station to get gas. I'd run inside to get, I don't know, water or something, and I'm at the register, and this young lady behind the register, um, she said something to me, and, you know, I was bald at the time, and I was like, you know, I'm just getting through chemo, and I'm like, you know, all pumped about it, too. I'm like, I'm so excited. It's almost coming to an end. And she literally said to me, oh, you don't want to, don't, you know, you shouldn't really talk about that. You know, that's something that's very private. I couldn't believe my ears. I'm thinking, look, I want women to live, so I'm going to share my story, but it is a cultural thing. and It totally is. Like I said, now we did this campaign with these survivors. I was like, I ain't never seen none of these people, like, granted on social media. And I'm not saying (laughs) you have to be talking about it every day, but it's like, it's like, it was like, there were like no young black women on social media besides like these three people that I found. And they may be like done with chemo or whatever. It might be like, you know, chemo here, don't care or something like that. But it was like one little thing. And so I just felt like I was by myself. And that's not the case. It's really not. And can I just say thank you for doing the campaign, for featuring the videos. Thank you for allowing me to, to share my story. I really felt honored, and I it was just a great experience. And I have two, two more questions before we, we kind of bring our time to a close. What kind of breast cancer did you have? I had... Um, Mine was hormone positive, and I have some theories on where mine came from, but that will kind of lead us into a discussion about the educational piece, things we don't know, things that can contribute right. to this, this, you know, awful condition. What, what was your experience? So my experience was that I had hormone positive, too, and for your listeners, um, that's the kind that generally is more responsive to chemotherapy treatment, the negative kind. Um, that is not hormonally responsive tends to be a little bit more aggressive and harder to treat, but it's not to say that it has to be a death sentence. They have a lot of clinical trials and other particular therapies um, that that, have, that potentially work. But yeah, I was ER positive, PR positive, and HER2 positive as well. I don't know if it was HER2 positive or HER2 negative, but I didn't have to do the HER2 negative. So yeah. Yeah. So we were, we actually had the same diagnosis and mine was a lump on the right side. And for the ladies, and even when I was able to share on our local Fox station here in Orlando, I shared specifically what saved my life. And so, um, I, I, I might've, you might've said it and I didn't hear it. Did you do a self-examination? Is that how you found the lump? I or? did. I did. Well, how did you find it? You okay. know, just kind of washing myself every day. It wasn't like anything formal, but you know, now I got to you know, get more into the formalness of it all. 
um, around uh, doing it on a regular basis at the same time of the month. But back then, it was just kind of like I was like just washing myself and I noticed the lump. You know, I, you might have seen my video or heard, heard a little, heard little bit about my story. I was actually just flipping channels and I literally stopped on a breast cancer special, which I would have had no reason to because I, I felt like I was doing pretty good. Like I was doing my self-examination, getting my annuals done, which that's a whole other topic for another day. Maybe, Christia, we never talked about breast health in any of my annual exams. They would do the examination, my nurse would do it, or, or my doctor, but it was all about, you know, pap smear and those, you know, other kind of diseases that could happen and all those things. But we didn't talk about really paying attention to changes in my skin, you know, and what I did find on that special that I clicked on the TV one Saturday morning, I saw that they were talking about a dimple, and I never would have looked for a cellulite dimple anywhere on my breast. And that is what saved my life. I turned the TV off that morning. I was like, oh, you know, I'm about to jump in the shower. Let me do a self-examination. Anyway, you know, I haven't done it in a little bit. And um, I looked in the mirror on the right side because I said, you know, turn to each side and look and see if you find a dimple. And I looked, and there was a dimple. I had I had probably wow. it all this time. And that saved my life. That is what saved my life. That is a great story. So, <laughs> and I'm happy to be here talking to you to, to be able to tell it. So... What are some of the disparities? I know when, when you had put the campaign together and you asked the participants very, very specific questions about women of color and, you know, how did we feel going through the, the healthcare system? What are some of, I know you're very passionate about this. Would you share that with our listeners? Sure. So essentially, sorry. So essentially, you know, previously black women were less likely to be diagnosed with breast cancer, but more likely to die from breast cancer. Today, they are equally likely as black, as white women to be diagnosed with breast cancer and, again, still more likely. But what we're learning is that these disparities, meaning a black woman nationwide has a 42% chance of dying of breast cancer, more so than a white woman, that this difference in survivor outcomes is due not to biological factors, but socioeconomic factors. And the reason we're able to make that conclusion is because nationwide, that number is 42%, but in places like New York, it drops to 19%. In places like San Francisco, it drops to 0%. And so what we're seeing across the board is you have issues that come along with treatment that many people or many institutions don't address. So things like reliable transportation can impact your outcome. When you're dealing with cancer, you're on a very strict schedule. If you miss five out of ten of your treatments, it doesn't necessarily going to mean you're going to die, but it, it means that your chances or your prognosis is not as great. Everything is kind of timed, and you have to stick to the regimen. So reliable tra- transportation, child care, the ability to fork over money to park at the hospital, having sick days off of work either to recover or to take an absence to go get your treatment. Those are some of the socioeconomic factors. And then from an institutional side, there are issues like at hospitals that service predominantly black populations, you may not have residents or sorry, doctors or radiologists that have been fellowship trained in the breast. So they may be, you know, looking at x-rays of broken bones, sonograms, breast cancer, what have you. But at top hospitals, your radiologist is doing nothing but 
breast cancer or identifying changes in mammograms. And that makes a huge difference, mm. as well as a bunch of other little things like breast navigation services tend to be absent at community hospitals, as well as issues around like follow-up. Black women are two times more likely not to get a call back if they have a suspicious mammogram. And again, that just has to do with process and overloaded resources in poorer hospitals. Oh my. And so again, that's kind of why we're dying. We're not dying because we're black. Well, being black and kind of low income are somewhat, not to say correlated, but there is, you know, a correlation, if you will. But that's why we're dying. It's not that we're dying because we're black. We're also, we're also a population mm. that tends to be a little bit more fearful and distrusting of the medical profession. So when we do show up at yeah. the doctor, it's like, you should have came in like a year and a half ago. That thing has been in your boob for, for some time. But, you know, sometimes right. we just have a little bit. I'm not going to say, even though we're comfortable with our body from a size standpoint, we as a community aren't really comfortable talking about like sexuality and boobs and breasts and all of these things that go on right. with us that affect our health as women. And so that also is a contributing factor to why those disparities exist. So that's why I'm passionate because I'm like, look, if we need to start talking about our boobs and our breasts, and it's like, like you said, the dimple and sharing those stories, and it's not like this, hush, hush, you had breast cancer, you don't want anyone to, you know, know, then you might be saving a life. So, yeah, yeah, it's about getting the information out. That is so powerful. And, you know, as with every show, every podcast, I, <laughs> I love for our guests to share how can our listeners get in touch with you, find your products, learn more about the things that you're passionate about and all the information that you gave us is really life-saving information because when I read that statistic, and I think I posted it on my Instagram page, that the amount of times that a black woman will be diagnosed may be less than our white counterparts. We are dying at a faster rate. That blew my mind and it made me angry all in one emotion, you know. What you explained are the reasons why we are dying because like, that was the first question that came to my mind. Well, well why? Why are we dying yeah. at a faster rate? And so I love that we, it's like we, when we're we able so to thankful. tell people, Go ahead. it's not due to biological. Like when we're able, it makes it so much easier to grasp. Like I said, New York, no, you know, New York, those numbers are low. San Francisco, they don't exist. So it's the kind of thing where, you know, it, it makes it easier for people to get their hands around it and think, I'm not going to die because Aunt Susie died or Aunt Patty died. It's like... I can deal with this. I can be my own advocate. Yeah. So that's our message to women is you've yeah. got to be your own advocate and trust your instincts. And you know what that says to me is that for those of us who um, are telling our story, we can make a difference because it's not biological. If it's economic, then we can do jump in and join the fight just like you have and make a difference and, and save our sisters, save, you know, our communities, our babies. What I want to do is see if you could share with the ladies how can we find out more about your product? Because ever since I, I uh, was contacted to do the video, I've been sharing with ladies, do you know about this product? Go to Target, go to someplace. You know, I really love No, it. thank you. So for our Appreciate it. Where do, we, where do we find your product? And tell us all about how we can get in touch. So basically, you can find our product at most major national retail outlets. We're in Target, CVS, Walgreens, Rite Aid, Whole Foods, um, and Sally Beauty. So look for us there. You can also find us on Amazon or on our website at 
tginatural.com. You can find me on Instagram. I'm at TGINCEO or on Facebook. And you can find the company, again, most everything is like tginatural.com. So Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Twitter. So we would love to hear from you ladies. DM me if you have any questions. Let's keep this conversation going. I think that's wonderful. And I will post all of those for everyone who didn't have a pen to write it down real quick. It's going to be actually on our podcast site and also on uh, the Instagram and Facebook posts that I that I will tag you in, Christina, so you can see them all and Sounds we'll great. Ladies know where to find you. I am so thankful for you being my guest. Would you close this out briefly in prayer? I really believe that this impacted our listeners today. Thank you. No, I, I will definitely do that. Father God, we want to just thank you for bringing us here today to raise awareness, to let women know that they are more than conquerors, that they have to be in control of their health, that you will continue to order our steps, but we must also take up the responsibility of being familiar with our bodies. Our bodies are a temple that you've created for us, but we must kind of continue to worship you, worship you through our bodies, worship you through awareness, worship you through telling other people the news, being the servant overlord as part of this cause. Thank you for bringing us together today. Thank you for Candy, for this podcast, for her listeners, for everyone who is out there just knowing that they have, they're dealing with something, they should know that they can trust and put their faith in you, O Lord. So thank you for everything, and I want to close you out in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you again to Christia, our guest, Christia Donaldson. And if you want to find her, ladies, you're just going to have to click on the link. I'll provide all the information. Her company is Thank God It's Natural, and we're so thankful that you are a survivor and that you've joined the fight. Ladies, thank you as well for tuning in today. And be on the lookout for more survivor stories on Good Morning Ladies with Candy Bryant. Bye-bye.